The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Hey, I'm Nick Ferguson, and welcome to another edition of Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. I don't know where you are in America, but... If you've been sleeping under a rock for some reason, you missed out on a huge story. And one of the huge stories that are being talked about right now and is pretty much trending is the fact of what took place with Northwestern. Now, last week on the show, we talked about free agency and we talked about a bunch of rules in the NFL. We didn't get, get into that later in the program, but I want to get into the fact of Northwestern players when ruling at NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board ruled in favor of Northwestern players because former quarterback Kane Coulter wanted to unionize the players. He wanted to form a union. Now, my dad's a longshoreman, and they have a union. The NFL uh, Players Association, that's a union. And even in MLB and NBA, there's a union. Now, don't get me wrong, unions are great. Now, there's some unions that are stronger than others. For instance, the NBA union, so much better than the NFL. Now, in the NFL, they have a union, but the owners pretty much are more in charge and dictate the pace of everything opposed to the players. Now, with me being a former collegiate player, I really believe, and I felt this way for years, that college athletes should see their fair share of the table. And I've had producers, I've had other individuals who are friends of mine, dear friends of mine, who've never had a chance to play the sport, but they feel as though, wait a minute, are we going too far with the idea and the notion of playing college athletes? I said no, because think about it. Until you've walked in the shoes of a college athlete, you have no idea of what we actually go through. For instance, now, you're talking about spring, summer, and winter. All of those three seasons I just named are pretty much dictated to you by the institution that you attend. There's off-season conditioning, there's winter workouts, not to mention that you have to get up at five in the morning to do these workouts, and then you have to make sure that you're up for breakfast, you're ready for your eight o'clock class, and you can't go to sleep, considering the fact that the previous night that you had study hall until 11 o'clock. That just kind of give you insight of what college athletes have to go to, go through. Now, let's not, let's take in consideration as well the fact of how much the institution as a whole makes on the backs of these college athletes. Now, let's look at football powerhouse. 
Nick Saban and Alabama. Now, last year, Nick Saban made about $6.1 million. That's probably a million more than uh, the, the former coach from the Texas Longhorns made, who's no longer there because they forced him out. But now, Nick Saban is making more money this year. He makes an, annually about $7.1 million. So you're saying to me that it's all fair for Nick Saban to make that much amount of money, Road Tide Nation, to come out to stadiums, and they do come in droves, and they travel well, which is great if you're an Alabama fan. But if you're an athlete at Alabama, how does that work for you? Let's take into consideration that half of the students that enroll at majority of these institutions, they don't graduate. Some rarely hit the field. Some has, have aspirations of making it to that next level to the NFL, but it never happens. So what happens to them? What happens to those practice days, those heat days and tour days? Are they to be left out? Are they to not have a seat at the table? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you pay these college athletes like you pay a professional athlete. I'm just saying pay them something. It's hard to sit by and watch everyone else make money and you not make money. And I don't think half of the people or the individuals that criticize the fact of paying athletes ever take this into consideration. Majority of those guys who are on college rosters come from middle to low income housing. They're looking at college football or athletics as a way to make good for themselves and help their family prosper. Now, remember what I just said, middle to lower class and what they're trying to do with that family. Now, taking consideration, there's my mom, there's my brother, there's other younger siblings that are sitting at home. Yes, you have team issued gear. Yes, you eat three meals a day. Yes, you have a dormitory that you can go and sit in and study. But what about them? They're just trying to barely make ends meet. So you can't get a job if you're on scholarship. Now, that's per the NCAA rules. You can't get a job. So while you are apparently living the high life, what about those sitting at home? What are they to do? All I'm saying, help these kids out. Those low-income families, they want to come see their kid play, whether it's baseball, basketball, or football. Where does that money come from? Can the institution now get mom and dad up to see a game, not just the last game of your senior season, but can they get them, get them up to come watch a game? All kids are asking for is just a little leniency, to be even, if you will. You make all this money, can't you find a way? Give them a stipend, give them something. Now, the biggest question is, how is this gonna affect all sports, FCS schools, Division three schools? or even Title IX, it states that both men and women's sports have to be equal. Well, there's a way to do it. Based upon the percentage that your sport in general generates will determine or dictate the percentage that you receive. Now, then there's a question of walk-ons. Do you pay the walk-ons as well? Well, if they went out for the team, they made the team, they practice, that makes them part of the team, well, 
they should receive a percentage of the overall revenue that's generated by the program. The next question, what about the marquee players? Every team doesn't have a Reggie Bush, or they may have one, two, or three. Well, if you're Alabama, you might have 22. So how do you decide who gets what? Well, if you're marketing that player, if you're using that player to sell merchandise, his jersey, no name on the back, is in Target, Walmart, East Bay, all these other places, it should be negotiated beforehand that he should receive a portion of that. Now, the idea is what, what took place with Northwestern is, wait a minute, if we're unionizing these guys, are we essentially saying that they are employees? Well, what happens with employees? You're hired, it's based on execution and production, and if you don't produce, guess what? You get fired. So, yes, college athletes are employees, right? Because guess what? If you do not fulfill your part of the deal, you therefore are moved out. The program moves on. So essentially, you get your walking papers. So, so just like other employees, you are essentially fired. Now, I, I know the NCAA really, they don't like this. They are appealing the North, Northwestern ruling, but now it's making everyone pay attention to this. Now they're saying, you know what? We realize there is something wrong with the system and there's something that we need to change with the system. Whoa, okay, how long did it take for you guys to realize this, that we need to change the system? Did it take this in order for you guys to change the system? And, and Jeffrey Kessler, who is one, I guess one of the lead attorneys on this and, and uh, a while back filed an antitrust lawsuit against the NCAA on behalf of several yeah, of basketball, former and current players, you know, saying that this is a violation of their rights as college athletes. So, in a nutshell, do I think, once again, college athletes should get paid? Yes, everyone else is making money. Why not these guys? And then everyone gets upset if a booster comes to a player and say, hey, listen, here's 50 grand, here's 10 grand. It's like, no, you can't do that. So the idea is do as I say, but not as I do. I mean, this country was built on labor, you know, equal rights for all. So why have rights for this group and not for this group? And it's an easy solution. Make it fair. Start paying athletes. Give them something. Well, if you don't want to put all the money in their hand right now, easy solution. Let it accumulate. Tell those players, if you want this money at the end, what you need to do is make sure you're in good standing, that's good academic standing, and you've been an upstanding student, athlete, on and off the field. That way, when it comes time for you to graduate, go to the NFL, the money is there because we do know, let's be totally honest, not everyone makes it to the NFL. Everyone has, everyone has aspirations. Their camp is telling them, friends, family, you got it. You got it, Nick. You can make it to the NFL. But 
there's a 3% chance that you make it in the NFL. Those chances decrease every year as more players come in. So why not reward these guys for what they've done for the program? They help generate revenue for the program, television dollars, and they also increase enrollment in the school. So let's be fair, NCAA. Now, moving on to some other things. I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, later, the, earlier this week, we lost another great NFL pioneer, and, and that pioneer is Ralph Wilson. I had an opportunity in my, early on in my career to play for the Buffalo organization. Uh, at, at the time, Wade Phillips was the head coach. It was one of the best times I had early on in my career. They treated me fair, they treated me well, and it was an honor to play for that organization early on in my career. Ralph Wilson was very instrumental in the very beginning of the formation of the NFL, when you had the NFL and the AFL. He and Al Davis mixing it up, getting it done. Now, we've lost another great pioneer. He'll be truly missed, and to the, to the Buffalo Bills family, I send my condolences to you as well. Now, staying with the Buffalo Bills, Jim Kelly, longtime quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, and I have to say, as a Miami Dolphin fan, as a kid, Jim Kelly was a thorn in our side. Every time in the playoffs, it's Jim Kelly and Dan Marino, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, Don Beebe, Frank Wright. All these players of Buffalo Bills made my childhood living in Miami a very difficult one. But that's why it's, it's, it's kind of it's sad, but it's very optimistic. Uh, Jim Kelly, who was diagnosed with uh, cancer, cancer about two years ago, has been battling that, and he has decided to not have more surgery to do chemotherapy. Now, earlier this year, he had a portion of his jaw removed to deal with the cancer, but the doctor's saying that it is treatable and it is curable. So, Jim Kelly, hey, listen, we're alumni. We, you know, come from the same type of gridiron. He's a quarterback with the Miami Hurricanes, so I appreciate that, all those years of fun times watching you play. But, Jim, I know you're a tough guy, and you're going to fight through this. And I know if, if you're a guy that's been to four Super Bowls and didn't win, you know about perseverance. You know about overcoming hurdles. So this whole idea of what you're dealing with internally with the cancer standpoint, I know you have enough toughness to fight through it. So Jim Kelly, my heart's with you. Now, this is the time of year we see, uh, we deal with March Madness and NCAA brackets. Now earlier, this week, a lot of, or once this whole thing started, a lot of brackets were just torn up, ripped up, and pretty much thrown in the shredder. Why? First of all, Duke lose to Mercer. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and let that marinate for a second. Duke, Blue Devils, that's right, the powerhouse of basketball, they lose to Mercer College. All credit due to Mercer at that time, but it changed the foundation of every bracket. Now, everyone's trying to think, okay, well, Warren Buffett and this 
billion dollar challenge. I get a chance to win a billion dollars. Oh, great. But then this happens. Change the whole landscape of your bracket. And I don't know who at this point figured that would happen. And then I don't know who at this point has their bracket officially intact. I decided not to fill out brackets this year. And the reason I decided not to do that is because the obvious. When you talk about the fact of Duke losing to Mercer and then some of the other top teams losing, it was just like, for what? I'm just going to sit back, relax, kick my feet up, and watch some great basketball. And speaking of great basketball, I mean, when you talk about Kentucky and Wichita State, Wichita State that were 34-0, and 0, and Greg Marshall and his team were undefeated going into the tournament, and everyone's trying to figure out, well, how far can this Wichita State team actually go? Now, I thought if they were able to get past Kentucky, then they definitely had a chance to get into the Elite Eight and maybe advance to the Final Four. It could possibly have won the whole tournament and would have been that Cinderella team. But they didn't get a chance to do that. But I have to say, I mean, it was one of the best games that I've seen so far in March Madness. These two teams going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I have to say, Wichita State did not back down from Kentucky. And that's what I like to see. That's the great thing about March Madness, to see these Cinderella teams come up and duke it out versus, versus these top-level teams. I love that. But if your bracket is in total disarray, don't fret, because now it leaves you time to watch the NBA playoffs. Go clean out the garage, finally. Go take a walk with your wife and the kids. Go have a picnic. Just have a big stress reliever. Go swim. Go do something. Go fishing. Do all these things that you haven't done because your bracket is over. It's kaput. No billion dollars for you. As they would say on Steinfeld, no soup for you. So coming up after the break, we'll get into some other new rules that have changed and which changed the landscape of NFL football and the ranks of college. And you want to stay tuned because we got Nick Isham, quarterback for the Arizona Wildcats, coming up to talk about his transition and Rich Rodriguez's system. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's second secondary perspective on, of course, Voice America Sports. We'll be right back after the break. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping want to play the ponies join us every week for winning ponies with john Engelhart, racing's regular guy where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers agents and handicappers in the world of horse racing this show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. 
sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Before we went to the break, I uh, went into this whole long dissertation about the NCAA and the fact of playing college uh, athletes. Uh, I received the email here where a fan is saying, well, why pay college athletes? There's no need to pay them. Isn't the fact that they get a scholarship, isn't that enough? Don't they get get team-issued gear? So they have clothes, a roof over their head, a free education, so why make it worse? Why even pay the money? Well, uh, to, to, that, to that fan, and thank you for the email, and that comes from uh, Platteville, Wisconsin. So uh, glad to see people in Platteville, Wisconsin uh, are listening to the show. To him, I say this. When we look at what co- college athletes do, when we look at the fact of the leadership that they bring on and off the field, how they inspire other kids who want to go to college, and then the fact of the money that they're generating from bowl games every year. Alabama revenue has gone up. Their revenue in Texas has gone gone up. Why not? Why not give these individuals a portion of what's being made? It only makes sense. If you're out there working in the hot sun and you can't be fired, let's establish that, you can't be fired. Donald Trump is not going to bring you in and sit you in front of his office and say, you're fired. That's not going to happen. But what's going to happen, the coach is going to say, you know what? I have the opportunity to review your scholarship every year. If you're not meeting our quota academically or athletically, I can now take your scholarship away from you. Now, that sounds like I was just fired. So if you can fire me, then that means, guess what? I need compensation. So that's all it is at this point. Trying to come up with adequate compensation for these college college athletes. And once again, I I would say, and I would always proclaim this, it's not the fact of saying that you pay these guys like professional athletes, like NBA players, like MLB players. No, you just give them a portion of the pot. 
I mean, what's wrong with giving a kid maybe five grand a quarter or $2,500? It sounds like an enormous amount of money, but to a big machine that is college football, how much money is too much money? So if you want to get into the program, you can hit us up at 888-346-9144. You can always find me on Twitter at NickFerguson underscore 25. I look forward to your emails and your tweets. So now as we move on in the program, of course, I like to get into uh, some other things. And uh, we should be hearing from Nick Isham uh, very shortly. I'm very eager to talk to him to see what his expectations are for the team moving forward and how his transition is taking place under uh, Rich Rodriguez Toolage. But I'm going to uh, dig into a little bit of uh, basketball, if you will. NBA basketball last night, the, it was deemed the beast of the East, the Indiana Pacers at home versus the Miami Heat. Now, going into this game, it was really, it was really important for the Heat because they were two games behind the Pacers. They needed to close the gap, gain some momentum, moving into the playoffs. Now, these two teams, when they, when they get together, it's always fisticuff. It's always pushing and shoving as these two teams try to jockey for positions. But the advantage always goes, seems to go to the home team. And last night, it was no different. Now, I know Miami Heat fans say, say, well, the referees didn't officiate the game equally. There was a play where LeBron James was just swatted in the face. I mean, he's grabbing his nose. He's sticking cotton in it. No flagrant foul. Nothing. But LeBron comes down. Roy Hibbert's trying to close off the lane. He jumps up in a position to dunk the ball. His elbow is already elevated, but he's called for flagrant foul because his elbow on a continuation shot hit Roy Hibbert in the jaw. I mean, really? I'm not being biased because I'm a Heat fan, but I'm just saying, just keep it real. Keep it fair. I think that's sticking with the motif of the show, just kind of trying to keep things uh, fair, but how much do we look at this game and say, well, it shapes what the playoffs are going to look like between these two teams? When I look at these two teams, both physical, you might say that Frank Vogel's team might be a little more physical than the Miami Heat, and the Heat might be a little more finesse. What it reminds me of is, remember, remember that old, that old Chuck Daly team, the Detroit bad boy Pistons, and how they beat up on Michael Jordan, and he couldn't win or advance? to the playoffs because he couldn't get past the bad boy Pistons. That's what it reminds me of. You know, I wanted a little nostalgia in my basketball. I remember when they allowed them to bang in the paint, throw a couple of elbows, be physical. The game is going all soft now. So when I see these two teams match up, that's what it reminds me of. Maybe the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan and John Sally, you know, Bill Lambeer, Vinny, the Microwave Johnson, John Sally, all these guys going against Michael Jordan. But at some point, things come to a head, something has to happen, something has to give, but I can't wait. I can't wait for the NBA playoffs to start because it doesn't make a difference how you start the season. What really truly matters is how you end. 
And if you start with the number one seed, but you fail to win the NBA title, then it was all for naught. But this is the matchup everyone wants to see. I wish that you can get these two teams and let them play for an NBA championship, maybe in a six-game, seven-game series. But I know we have the Western Conference that we have to deal with. And speaking of the Western Conference, you know, I think Nick, Nick Isham is on. So I'll get back to the NBA in just a moment. Um, Nick, thanks for joining the program. Hey, thanks for having me. You know what? You know, it was, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Nick Isham, you can look, find his video on, on YouTube. Uh, he's a very sensational quarterback, I, very, you know, very mobile, ability to get outside the pocket. And Nick, that brings me to the question. Earlier today, I watched Johnny Manziel work out and uh, watched the four-letter network broadcast it. And Bill Polian, I mean, who's very respected in the NFL, former GM mm -hmm. for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he very high praise for Johnny Menzel, and he talked about this. He talked about the fact of you look at Johnny Menzel, Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson. All the one thing that these quarterbacks have in common, they're all under six two, but they've been yeah. successful in the NFL. With you being a quarterback yourself, that's not quite six two. When you hear something like that, how does that make you feel when you consider, you know, the possibility of playing on the next level? I think it's great. I think uh, those three guys are really paving the way. Obviously, uh, Drew Brees uh, and Russell Wilson are both Super Bowl champions. So, um, and Darnell Manziel is a is a Heisman Trophy winner. So they they've all really uh, paved the way for you know shorter quarterbacks, and uh, and they've really uh, given us an opportunity and, and given the uh, the shorter quarterbacks kind of a look in terms of the uh, NFL and and us being able to you know do everything that a six four quarterback can do and more. Well, when you, when you look at, you know, the fact of not being a 6'2 quarterback, you know, what would you say is your biggest uh, asset as a quarterback? Because I know you, you're very, watching your tape, I know that you're very mobile, but, you know, what, what is your other biggest asset other than your mobility? Uh, I'd say it's just decision-making, timing and decision-making, because uh, that, that's really what playing quarterback comes down to. I mean, uh, it's not it's not really the strongest arm. Obviously, a strong arm helps. You know, it's not really the fastest 40, even though that that helps as well. Um, but you see a guy like Joe Montana, who's arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, it was all timing, decision making. He didn't have the strongest arm. He wasn't the fastest quarterback. But him, Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady. I mean, all those guys, uh, and then Drew Brees and Russell Wilson as well. That they're very, very accurate and very, uh, very. Um, on time with all their throws, and, and, and they make great decisions, and they're, they're also great leaders. So, so between the uh, leadership and the decision-making, I think that's really what it comes down to. Now, sticking with, uh, you know, leadership, and, you know, it's often said that leaders are born and not made. Uh, you know, I heard that you organized some uh, workouts for uh, your, your upperclassmen, underclassmen. Uh, tell, me, tell me about that. What, what made you decide to do that? Did the coaches go to you and say, well, Nick, I need you to step up, or you just kind of came up with this idea on your own? Yeah, well, the, you know, the coaches actually sat us, sat us all down as, as, uh, as quarterbacks and, uh, uh, in the beginning of the offseason. They said that, you know, we need to be throwing at least three times a week, and, uh, and um, it was really all on us. And uh, it was really all the quarterbacks who got together, and, and uh, I was able to able to get the uh, the mass text things. So I was sending those out and kind of getting all the guys uh, uh, together. But uh, you know, it was really kind of a team effort, and and 
really just shows shows uh, you know our uh, determination and, and readiness to get back into it for the, for the next season because all of our guys are just ready to go and out there each and every day working hard in the off season. Well, you know, right at this point of the year, there's a lot of, you know, spring ball, there's, you know, in full swing or just completing for a couple of uh, programs. Now, you know, you've, you've had a chance to see some of the younger guys come in. Uh, so far, who stood out for you? Uh, you know, a, a lot of guys, a lot of guys are standing out. We, we've got, uh, got a lot of young guys coming up and a lot of guys coming back, too. Uh, we've got guys on uh, receiver, um, Caleb Jones, uh, great receiver on the outside. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. We've got uh, David Richards. We've got Austin Hill is coming back. We've got Clive Georges, Trace, uh, Trey Griffey, excuse me. Um, and then on the slot, we've got uh, um, Samaje. We've got uh, TJ, who's a new young guy uh, who's coming in. He's very fast, very quick. We've got uh, Devontae Neal. Um, all, all these guys, uh, Johnny Jackson. I mean, uh, once again, the list goes on and on. But uh, it's uh, we've got a lot of weapons on the outside, which is great. And then you know, at the O line, we've got a lot of guys returning, which is uh, definitely a, a big help for us because uh, you know the O line is really the centerpiece of the offense. And uh, you know, to have guys who who have a year or two under their belt, um, like Mickey, like uh, like uh, Fabo, like Stephen, you know, all, all these guys uh, who can come in and and really, uh, you know, have a leadership role and have that senior leadership role. Um, I think it, it really helps in terms of the team chemistry. If you just joined the program, we're talking to Arizona quarterback Nick uh, Isham. Uh, once again, if you want to uh, get in on the conversation, call us at 888-346-9144. Now, Nick, you know, looking at last season's record, I mean, you guys finished fourth in the, the Pac-12 South. Uh, how important is it for you guys uh, coming into this season to make a bigger push to finish stronger and, more importantly, win the Pac-12 championship? Oh, it's extremely important. I mean, you, you come into each each season, you know, you know, expecting and and uh, striving to be perfect, and, and that's what we're going to strive for this year. That's what we strive for last year. Fortunately, we came a little bit short, but uh, you know, we're we're taking all the necessary steps now terms of off-season workouts, in terms of, you know, getting guys in the film room, getting guys in the weight room extra, and uh, taking care of our bodies and everything. So, so I think we're really taking uh, taking the right steps towards towards getting that perfect season and uh, going to win the Pac-12 uh, championship and then go on to hopefully, you know, get to the national championship or just taking it one play at a time. So uh, that's kind of our plan. Well, I understand the whole idea of one play at a time. And speaking of that, you know, you've had some chance to be in the system for a while and adjust to Rich Rodriguez's system is running that, that, that spread option. And it's something that's become really huge in the NFL, especially with uh, Chip mm-hmm. Kelly bringing it to, to the NFL. Uh, talk about the transition for you and really learning the system and just really knowing what to do as far as the decision-making process. Uh, I think uh, the coaches, Coach Smith, Coach Richard, Coach McGee, I think they all do a really great job of uh, coaching us up. And, uh, you know, now being the system for two years, it's, it's really helped me. I, I'm really starting to, you know, feel uh, feel the confidence come up in terms of spring ball and, and uh, my game. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's not your typical 
left to right read in, in the West Coast offense. You know, we're we're right. constantly we're constantly reading the end, reading the back, or you know, uh, fast, fast, fast paced. Uh, you know, next play, next play, next play, and you got to read the whole field in, in a matter of uh, you know half seconds. So, um, so I think in terms of be, being here for two years and and the the help from the coaches, from Coach Smith uh, and Rich Rye, I think it's I think it's been really a really great learning experience and and definitely it helps with uh, confidence and and like I said, decision making and and being a leader as well. Well, last question, Phil. Yo, yo. After the completion of the 2014 uh, season, what would you be able to sit back and say, well, this, this is something that I wanted to do coming to the season, and this is what I was able to get accomplished? What, was it, what is it about the team, about the game, you want to be able to say at the end? Uh, well, you know, like I said, we, we want to go. Uh, we want to go to the championship, and we, we want to win games. So, so that's really the uh, the end goal. And uh, so, you know, all, all the stats and stuff kind of kind of fall underneath the belt in terms of in terms of the eventual uh, long term goal of winning the Pac-12 championship and winning the national championship. So, so uh, you know, a- anything stats wise, that that would all be great. You know, seventy five percent completion percentage. High majority, whatever those whatever those goals are, would, you know, obviously anybody would love. But really, right. the, the main goal is to is to go win games and and uh, be a champion. Well, Nick, thank you for joining the program. I wish you and Arizona much success this year, and I hope you guys get that Pac-12 uh, title. Tell uh, Molly Omar, I said uh, thank you very much, and maybe later on in the season we can get you on again. All right, great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Nick. All right, thank you. That was right. quarterback of the Arizona Wildcats, Nick Isham, joining the program. And I have to say once again, if you haven't seen uh, Nick play, uh, go watch his uh, YouTube highlight tape. Uh, of course, it was when he was in high school, but still, the skill set is still there. He's a very mobile quarterback. He sees the field well. I mean, he can throw the ball, you know, with accuracy down, down, uh, down vertically and he drives the ball down the field, and he doesn't push the ball. And the great thing I like about Nick, the same reason I like, I like Russell Wilson, is the decision-making. He has the ability to make great decisions, and no matter what a guy's arm strength might be and what scouts might tell you, arm strength is key in the NFL and the collegiate level. It's ball placement, acumen, leadership on and off the field, and decision-making. Both Russell Wilson has have that, Drew Brees ha- has it, and so does Nick Isham. So once again, I wish them much success. Coming up after the break, I will break down and give you my Phil Jackson mellow theory. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. And we'll talk a little bit about Mark Sanchez and the possibility of him going to the Philadelphia Eagles. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. 
Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune in to Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. I, I have to tell you, I mean, it's been a great show uh, so far, and we're going to keep the train uh, moving. You know what? I, I love sports, and the one thing I love about sports is it changes all the time. There's always something that happens that is really shocking that we all can pretty much uh, relate to. Now, here's, here's some information. Now, we all apply for jobs. We all have to put certain things on our resume, and, and sometimes people check them, and sometimes people don't. But in this case of Manhattan head coach, men's head basketball coach, I guess he was hoping that maybe his new employee, South Florida, would not check his resume to make sure that it was legit, that it was valid. But Steve Maselio uh, is going to pay the price for, let's say, embellishing, fabricating a little something on his resume that it wasn't really there or didn't really need to be there, didn't really happen. And that was the fact of saying that he graduated from the University of Kentucky and 2000. Now they come to find out that, no, he never went to the University of Kentucky. Now, I know we all fabricate, you know, a little here and there. We embellish a little story. You know, I walked five miles uphill in the snow going to school. That's a tale that our parents would always tell us about struggle and the hardship that they went through. But the fact of putting something on your resume that's not true, yeah, not so good. It sends the wrong message to other professionals. And then think about the men that you influence, the men that look up to you as a father figure. We all make mistakes. And do I believe in second chances? Absolutely. So should we beat him down and ridicule him for this? Absolutely not. Maybe it was an honest mistake. Who knows? We know other coaches have made this mistake, 
But all I'm saying is, check your resume. Make sure it's legit. Make sure the people or the businesses you say that you work for, you actually work there. And there's someone that can vouch for you. So, Mr. Maselio, I hope you find a way to get out of this situation. Now, here's something I want to talk to you about. Now, now, we all know that Phil Jackson goes to the New York Knicks to become their president, you know, vice president of operation, whatever you call it. And he's going to be in control of determining who stays and who goes. Last week on the show, we talked about the parameters that the NBA was going to put on both he and his fiance, Jeannie Buzz, who now works, or not, not now works for her, but family owns the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I had a chance to talk to a good friend of mine, Bodie Elfman, and he's a diehard Laker fan. When I say diehard, he's a diehard Laker fan. So right now, to see his Lakers go through the situation that they're going through, that is very tough for him. So now he's, he's taking up every Twitter feed. He doesn't even watch the games, but we both agreed on this. Here's a little Carmelo theory. Phil Jackson and Jenny Buss are having a nightcap. And over that nightcap, they're discussing free agency, what moves they want to make with their team. And we thought this could be a valid scenario. Could we possibly see them strike a deal? Striking a deal where Phil says, you know what? I'm going to move Melo out to the West Coast. Join him with Kobe Bryant. Give the city of L.A. some hope and give them false hope as that because I know what Melo is. I've coached, the, I've coached Michael Jordan. I've coached Kobe Bryant. I've coached, Bryant, I've coached Shaquille O'Neal. So I know the type of guys that I'm dealing with. So with that said, he's going to praise Melo in the media. I want to keep Melo here. I want to build a team around Melo only to do that with the possibilities of increasing the value of Melo, having so many people pulling, you know, for Melo, the reach for Melo, only to have him move out of the building, bring in some young blood, build around that team, and then elevate their level of play over two or three years, bring in a new coach that can now run his triangle offense, because who knows, Denver Nuggets might push Brian Shaw out of Denver and he might end up back in New York, maybe as an assistant coach, maybe as a head coach. So who knows? And then you have to take a look at the fact that what teams are in the East? Well, Derrick Rose is coming off to knee surgery, so the Bulls are not going to be what they used to be. And then it's the Pacers and the Heat. Both D. Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James have options to opt out of their contracts. So let's say they decide to. Where does that leave the East? Very vulnerable. A very vulnerable place for Phil to take over. So, that's my mellow theory. What do you think? Let me know. Hit me up at nickfergshow at gmail, or you can hit me up at nickferg, Nick Ferguson, that will, uh, underscore 25. I think it's a viable solution. Move mellow, build up, raise the stock. stock. It's possible. Hey, it can happen. Now, in other NFL news, it is being reported that Mark Sanchez has struck a deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, 
if I'm Matt Barkley, I'm really upset at this point. Here it is. I was trying to break out of the whole image of Mark Sanchez or what USC quarterbacks actually stood for. But yet again, Mark Sanchez is now going to follow me to Philly. What does that mean for me? What does that mean if Matt Barkley ends up third on the depth chart behind Mark Sanchez? Does it really make sense? I say not. Mark, Matt Barkley coming out of SC was a very talented quarterback with talent around him. That seemed like most USC quarterbacks. But we all have to agree. His talent is far more superior than that of Mark Sanchez. So with Mark Sanchez joining him in Philly, does that now entice him to uh, come out and, and perform better? Or does that somehow drive him down tone? We still have to wait to see this one, but this would be the first time we've seen two SC quarterbacks on the same team. Not too long ago, we saw Carson Palmer and Matt Leinart on the same team. Well, you saw how that worked out. No Leinart, no Carson Palmer. So, could this be the end of Mark Sanchez's career? Could it possibly drive down Mark, Mark, uh, Matt Barkley uh, so low that he figures, you know what? I want out of Philly now. We still have to wait to see how that's going to unfold, but I wish I was a fly on the wall in that locker room to see what's going to happen. Now, some new NFL rules uh, were changed, and one of them that, that I, I, I really don't care for is the fact of penalizing players if they score and dunk the ball something that was pretty much made famous by uh, Tony Gonzalez, and it was homage was paid to him by every player after that point that decided to score and dunk a la Jimmy Graham. Now, I don't know if this is coming after Jimmy Graham played the, and his New Orleans Saints played the Atlanta Falcons at home, and he scored, and he dunked so hard that he didn't shatter the backboard, but he tilted the goalpost a little off-center. Now, we know there are some fans that consider the NFL and call it the no-fun league. Well, this too will make it once again the no-fun league. The idea of football, people go and they want to be entertained. So why take the entertainment value away? If you don't want to see a guy that's 6'7", 5'11", or even 300 pounds dunk a dunk ball, ball all you have to do is stop him from scoring. This is a rule that I'm not in favor of. It takes the fun out of it. Years ago, when Kurt Warner was down in St. Louis, we, we, we had the Bob and Weave, the, the fastest show on, on turf. Now there's no team celebrations. Now the NFL is going to take individual celebrations out. So what are we actually going to celebrate? Well, they're trying to eliminate kickoffs. They, they're moving the field, field goal back. They're testing it for a couple of games, moving it back to the 20-yard line. What's next? I understand the idea that rules are in place for a reason. These rules are in place as guidelines to keep people in place, restore order. Sometimes these rules have to be evaluated every now and again. You know, and it's great to change the rules if they benefit the greater number of dynamics. But here, some of these rules I don't agree with. Another rule I don't agree with 
is uh, last week on the show we talked about players and social media, and that goes far beyond NFL players. Now we move into the college ranks. Uh, UGA uh, athletics uh, have in, entered, uh, introduced new team policies. These new team policies now state that uh, you have to be careful on social media, and you not only you can't have two girlfriends like you used to. Well, I, that's not me. I was a one-woman guy, but you have to have one girlfriend as a team policy. Now, I've heard of all kinds of team policies. Don't be late. Uh, don't drink and drive. But now you can only have one girlfriend. But what if you just that Joe Namath Casanova type of guy? Well, who's to say? Now you really have to be a one-woman man. Now also, no uh, hickeys, uh, no passion marks, as they would say, marks on the, the neck of students. That too is against team policy. So. On the show, we've talked about new rules, new rules that are changing inside the NFL, uh, whereas no dunking, UGA policies of one girlfriend, no passion marks to go with all the other rules. We talked about Northwestern and the fact that they have a small victory, and let's just see how far this small victory would help in unionizing all players in collegiate sports for all sports men and women alike. And we're talking to see how the NCAA is going to move forward here, realizing for so many years it needed to change what it was doing. Let's see what they do to change these rules moving forward. Now, it's, it's funny when you uh, look at certain uh, situations and we look at, look at this on the surface to for being what, what, what they are. And that's the great thing about having a platform like this. It gives uh, us an opportunity to have educated discussions on these particular matters. I say, if you have a disagreement with someone out there, do it. Articulate it in the best way possible that they can understand. And no, we don't always agree on everything. We don't always see eye to eye. But I think compromise, agreeing to disagree. Because at the end of the day, what it's about is can we make everyone happy? It may be hard to do, but we do our best to try. But to say, well, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to be closed-minded to it. To me, that solves nothing. Whether you are the NCAA, whether you are uh, the NFL commissioner, whether you are just a regular man and woman walking about. Just remember, it's all about having chemistry, continuity, and fluidity within your job area. So it's not a problem or no problem that we can't hash out and we can't discuss. That is, I'll call that my secondary perspective moment of clarity. So uh, great show today. I want to thank uh, Molly Omar for having Nick Isham on the show. I want to thank Nick Isham for joining the program as well. I want to thank Justin on the boards because if it were not for him, it wouldn't happen. Also, also I want to thank Celebrity Center International for dedicating the pavilion for me to have an opportunity to shoot this show live. I want to thank all the guys, Ken, Jeff, Mike, 
for making sure the production side on, on this side of the board uh, takes place. As always, I send you home with this. Let's not take any wooden nickels. Let's go out and see if we can make today and tomorrow better than what it was yesterday. And that all starts with what we do. See if we can go out and make a smile, or put a smile on someone's face. You've listened to Nick Ferguson on Voice America Sports. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 